Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Tuesday Night Sideline Sports, joined by Jake Malik, John Shear, and head baseball coach at St. Peter's College over in Jersey City, New Jersey. Guy who's doing a phenomenal job, Coach Brant Neary. Welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight, Coach? I'm great, JB. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's our pleasure. So uh, let's start. Let's talk a little bit about St. Peter's baseball. So uh, what are we looking at coming into the season in the, in the MAC conference for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for us, you know, um, last year we kind of laid a foundation and um, I think we're looking to build on that. Um, you know, we finished the season strong and I think that for a program that had been down for a number of years, um, I think some of the players are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the direction that we're going with the program. Um, we have a strong group of, of new players on campus now, both freshmen and transfers, and um, they're blending well with the guys that we've, we've returned and um, I think, like I said, I think the future's bright. I think that we're moving in the right direction. Um, the the Mac, I think we're hitting the Mac at the right time with um, with some of the turnover there's been in the coaching positions there too. You know, a couple of the top programs have kind of changed coaches, and you know we'll have to see what kind of direction they're going to go with those programs. But um, you know, for us, it's it's hit the ground running and, and kind of use some of the momentum that our schools had with uh, with basketball. Um, you know, and some name recognition there to, to try to get our program kickstarted again and kind of go into where we want it to be. So being that your campus is in Jersey City, what are the, the challenges you have coaching a college team in the Northeast? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it is always, you know, weather dependent. Um, you know, and fortunately for us, we do have some indoor facilities that are, that are great. We have a bubble, which was our old tennis center on campus itself. Um, there's no more tennis being sponsored at the school. So it's about 300 feet long. It's about 150 feet wide. There's two cages in there. Um, You know, we hit lives in there. We hit balls right into the bubble. We, uh, you know, we, we can set up multiple infields in there. It's got enough space for a lot of that. Um, Our pitchers can throw long. So it gives us a lot of the ability to do a lot of things that we need to do inside. Um, You know, our field's a natural surface, but adjacent to our field, there's two turf baseball fields. Um, so we can utilize those two. They're part of the Hudson County Parks and Rec Department. So, um, you know, it's one of those things you, you find ways to make do. Um, obviously, when you're when you're in a city and you try to find everything you can to the resources that we do have. Um, and, and we utilize them to the best of our ability. We have a we have another cage that's uh, pretty much right next to my office that's open 24 hours a day for our players coming and hit at any point in time. Um, so. 
again, like I said, is it is it the most aesthetically pleasing stuff? Well, probably not, but is it functional? Yeah, completely. And it gives us a huge amount of space. And it's it's better than being in a gym where you can't hit ground balls on the gym floor, where I've been in those situations as well. Um, you know, it, we can do whatever we need to do. It's just you got to be flexible a little bit. And, you know, for me, that doesn't matter. Um, as long as we have the space and we have the ability to do so, that that's our big thing. And, and we do. Um, but, I mean, definitely the biggest challenge is, you know, the weather. It's the Northeast. You know, it doesn't get warm until April, if you're lucky, you know. Um, we may have crashed. We may have snow on the ground in in in, uh, in February, you know, in in March. You never know, right? So you, you're always dealing with those things. Um, yeah, and, and like a lot of Northeastern teams, too, we're going to have to travel south at the beginning of the season, you know, and we won't play home games for a while. Um, to me, I like it. You know, to me, it, it gets us kind of road tested to – to when we get into conference play, because that's the most important thing for us is our conference season. Um, so, you know, you go on the road and you play some good teams and you travel. And I think the guys have a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Um, sometimes the long bus rides suck, but I mean, other than that, the, the games are fun. You get to see different parts of the country, uh, different campuses. You play on nice fields um, in better weather. So, you know, like I said, it's, you, you kind of take the good with the bad because you, you get to do what you want to do. That, that's awesome. So one of the big things being talked about in college sports right now is the NILs, the name of uh, image like this agreement. How does that affect a team like St. Peter's? And how does it affect recruiting for you guys? Yeah, I mean, for us, it hasn't really affected baseball just yet. It hasn't hit home. Um, I'm thinking at some point in time it's going to. I know with the basketball, the success of the basketball program, it hit them pretty good. Um, and I know last year, a number of the guys on the team had things that were going on in terms of the NIL process. Um, baseball really hasn't hit us yet. Do I think it's going to happen? Yeah, I think it's going to leak in at some point in time. But baseball's not as mainstream, I guess you could say, in terms of the public guy, at least college baseball, that is, um, like college basketball and college football, where the NIL deals are, are ridiculous, you know, and, and they're pretty huge. And the things that guys are getting, it, it's it's unbelievable what they're walking away with. But um you know, I think sooner or later, um, someone's going to latch on to baseball and it, it's going to become something. Um, and I'm just waiting to see it, I think. But I think it's going to happen. So there's a lot of different things between the NIL. Another big thing that had to affect you is the minor league restructuring. How does that affect recruiting for uh, a Division One school? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think it's it's been a good thing. Um, you know, obviously with less rounds in the draft, with less teams in minor league baseball, um, there's a lot, uh, and you know, obviously with the with the uh, the COVID situation, there's um, there's players available um, that may not have been otherwise because of what was going on. Um, you know, I think with the restructuring of of the system, there's less guys that are potentially getting drafted and or signed at some point in time. Um, so they're they're sticking around, they're staying in school, and, and there's there's more opportunities for for those guys to play a fourth and sometimes a fifth year because of what was going on with them gaining another year eligibility with the whole uh, pandemic. Um, and the same thing with, with the recruiting side of things, it's, it's definitely affected that. And there's a lot of number of players that are, are available that I think otherwise wouldn't be um, that would have been snatched up much quicker um, because the, the, the recruiting lifestyle was going so fast um, beforehand where kids in eighth grade were getting, you know, committed to schools and freshman year in high school. Hadn't even played a varsity game yet. They're committing to schools and things like that um, to where things it's slowed a little bit, you know, and you can see that. And I think like definitely like major schools like us, um, we're benefiting from that because of, 
you know, just because of that, the transfer situation that the transfer portals exploded and there's like 3,500 kids in there or something along those lines. So it's, it's definitely, it's changed the landscape of um, recruiting. It's changed the landscape of, you know, pretty much everything across the board in terms of athletics, um, especially from like a personnel standpoint. So now looking at, you know, your bio and everything, one of the things that stuck out to me is, you know, you set offensive records pretty much everywhere you've gone. Um, you have a stolen base record. You know, you don't see a lot of that in baseball anymore. How important is old school baseball bunting and stealing? How important is that to your game? Uh, personally, I, I, I love the run game. I love the pressure teams. I like to do things like that. Um, I don't know if we're so much small ball in terms of bunting. We will. Um, I don't like giving away outs, so that's why I don't bunt that much. But I do like, you know, starting runners, putting guys in motion. Um, we pay close attention to counts and when we can get off-speed pitches and breaking ball counts and times when we can really let guys run. Um, I think it kind of creates some chaos. Um, and I think that's a huge thing, especially, you know, for us in the early parts of the season when, you know, teams may not have had that much time on field or on, you know, holding runners or whatever the case may be. Um, that's a big thing. Starting runners, you know, moving guys around on the field. Um, it gets players out of position. It kind of opens up some holes that would not be there otherwise. Um, sometimes it just puts runners in scoring position. And you get a cheap hit and score a run. Um, so to me, it's it's one of those things that we – I always liked it. Um, and like I said, one of the big things for me was always tracking – you know, what type of pitches were thrown in certain counts and things like that to try to get a good feel for when we could start runners and, and get guys going and in motion. Um, that's one of the things we were doing at practice today was, was starting some runners and working on some steel breaks and, you know, hitting behind runners, you know, hit and run types of situations, which to me are just like aggressive sack bunts, um, really just starting runners and kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. Um you know, I, to me, I, I like it, you know, and I, I think I tell our guys, too, if you get thrown at, that's on me. I don't really care. You know what I'm saying? You can point the finger at me as opposed to, you know, being upset or, you know, coming back to the dugout thinking I'm going to be mad at you. You know, if I'm sending you or I'm giving you the green light to go, then go. You know, like if you get a pitch and you think you can steal a base, let's do it. Let's 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 be aggressive and, and try to do things like that. Now, we talk about doing it in a smart manner, but we do want to be aggressive on the bases, no doubt. I like it. That, that To me, that's fun baseball. You know, to just seeing home runs and strikeouts is just gets boring after a while. I, 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 like think the, I think the biggest thing I heard, though, if you get out, it's on me. And that's I think I love the accountability of that because you're telling your players, look, I'm telling you to go do this. But if it doesn't work, I don't want you to feel like, hey, you screwed up. I take the blame. I'm, I'm the coach. I made that call. I don't feel like we ever hear that in sports in general. You don't hear – the coach wanted to take the blame. Not that he throws his player under the bus, but you don't hear them say, hey, that, that was on me. That was my bad. I'm, I made that mistake. You don't worry about that. We don't see that side. So I, I love hearing that. Yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. You know, like it, sometimes you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? So, uh, you know, if we're going to get thrown out, it, you know, it's going to happen, guys. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Cool. I mean, if, if we steal bases at a 70 or 75% clip, which is pretty good, you know, we're still getting thrown out, you know, once in a while. And that, you know, that's okay. That's right. okay. You know, if, if the situation was right and you got thrown out, you just got thrown out. Maybe they made a good play. You know, I, I can't really get too mad at guys for something like that. You know, that's not – you know, if they ran in a good situation, the kid made a great throw, you know, it is what it is, guys. We'll, we'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when, when 
Calculated you know, risk. That's all it's about. Yeah. Calculated risk. No doubt. And and that's a big thing is, is doing that, you know, making smart and aggressive decisions on the bases. Um, I, I, I think that that's a great equalizer is base running. Um, and our players will hear that from me all the time. It's the first thing we do in practice. We warm up and we do some type of base running with our position players um, because it's so undercoached and underdeveloped and done so poorly. And it, I hate watching it when it's bad like that, yep. that, you know, Everyone goes out and hits the cage. Everyone goes out and fields ground balls. Not many guys practice base running that much, right? So it's one of those things that we have to kind of harp on it all the time, doing it right, doing it the correct way, and aggressively, and you know, and really taking pride in in doing the base running that um, that I think is, is like you know, I have always equated it to. I think I I'm stealing this from someone. I didn't make this up, but um, you know, pe- team teams have said like you know, like base running is like special teams, you know, in a football game, I agree. You know, well, you know, you have your, like- you have your pitching, you have your defensive side of things, you have your hitting, your offensive side of things. What's special teams? Well, special teams is the base running piece because it can, it can really, it can assist you in, in winning some games. I think that it can be the equalizer in four to five games a year. Um, who do you, who do you um, take your managing style from? Uh, it's probably <laughs> good question. Um, you know, uh, I think I've calmed down a little bit over the years. You know, I was, you probably was like a raving lunatic when I first started, but I think I've gotten a little bit calmer and, and uh, a little bit more uh, player friendly, I think, as I've gotten older um, to where, like, I think when I was younger, I was like a dictator, you know, and the kids probably still like me because I joked around with them, but I, I was like, I was on them about everything. Um but, you know, I, I don't know if there's any one person I could say I take it from. I, man, I, and I hate the Mets. So I'm a Yankees fan, do or die, but I do like Buck Trollwalter. Um, I think Buck does a good job, um, and he always has. And I think hey, he's a guy who's Buck dressed. used to be with the Yankees. Don't, nah, don't, it's true. don't, don't it's act true. like he wasn't. I mean, I, mean, nah, I get it's your true. point. Absolutely. But, hey, you don't have to mention that he's with the Mets. You just say Buck from when he was with the Yankees. That's all I, I know. Say. I know. <laughs> I like Buck. the run of the 90s. Yeah, no, it's true. I listen. Yeah, Buck and, and and Stick Michael. That was the big, you know, that was the Yankees that back then. Um, but no, I do like Buck. Um, I like Jimmy Leland when he was with the with everyone with Pittsburgh, especially. I think he did awesome. Yes. Now they had some really good players, but that guy did a good job. Um, I like the Joe Madden think outside the box stuff. You know, like I think he did a lot of things that people didn't really think was conventional. Um, and like I said, for us, you know, sometimes we have to do things that are a little bit unconventional, you know, in terms of where our program is and where we need to go. Um, unconventional might not be the worst thing for us. Um, so, you know, like in looking at some of those guys, those are the guys I, I like. Um, a lot of it is they're all fundamentalists, I think, in that, that in a big regard. Um, and I think that's that's what baseball is. You know, it's that redundancy. It can be boring at times because of that. But I mean, like, that's what makes you good. You know, it's just the repetitiveness of doing things so well until you, you can't screw them up. Um, you know, and, and that's, you know, I think that's why I like those guys. It's just that they've, you know, they've, they have a style, they've latched onto it and they, they've stuck with it and it's worked for them. Um, and a lot of it comes back to just fundamentals, doing everything right. Pitching, throwing, hitting, fielding, whatever it is. It's just simplistic baseball. Um, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. So can you talk a little bit about, I saw in your bio that you went and coached at McDaniel. 
And I'm close to McDaniel. I live very close to there, so that's near and dear to me. Can you talk about what made you gravitate towards McDaniel and uh, talk about your time there? Yeah, you know, I was um, I was kind of at a crossroads in terms of what I wanted to do. Um, I was either going to go into athletic administration or I was going to try to get a head coaching job at that point in time. Um, and the position opened up, um, and I had a, a good friend, actually, who had played there back in the, the 90s. Um, and, you know, he kind of said sleeping giant. Um, and I went down to the campus and I felt the same way, you know, uh, in terms of what it was, the campus is beautiful. It is um, a beautiful it, campus. It is. It's a nice setup there. Um, and I thought it was going to be a great opportunity, you know, and just to go down and get some experience as a head coach and running my own program and, um, you know, building things up. And, you know, first year we, we took some lumps, we did some good things, but we took some lumps and. Definitely had things going in the right direction before the pandemic hit. And, you know, then it was kind of regroup time. So, but it was, um, it was definitely a, a, a place where, um, you know, you could see some, some bright lights, um, nice campus, uh, you know, very quiet town, Westminster there, but it's nice there. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a, an interesting place. Um, tough conference that centennial conference is very strong athletically across the board with all the schools um but it's uh like i said it was a it was just a it was an opportunity to be a head coach and i think that was a big thing for me at that point in time was like i was turning 40 and i was like this is the time you know if I'm, i it's either i wasn't gonna poop or get off the pot you know what i'm saying one of those deals you know like uh you know it, it was time for me to pull the trigger i had a six-year run at njit and, and i loved it um, the head coach there, and he and I became, he's one of my closest friends. Um, and, but it was, it was like, you know, and he had given me, you know, pretty much carte blanche with the offense. I was able to do whatever I wanted, but it was like, I kind of want to have my name on a program and, and build it myself and do some of the things that I want to do myself. Um, and it's not as though like I, I didn't, you know, I, there was any animosity with him or I at, at NJIT. It was just, I kind of wanted that opportunity. Um, Time for growth. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. It was six years, and, and I learned a ton. Um, Brian Julian is the guy's name, who's the head coach at NJIT, uh, was outstanding and treated me like gold. Um, and is, like I said, still a really good friend of mine. He's coaching high school baseball actually out in Portland, Oregon now. Um, we still talk. He's still sending me some players, names of players and stuff like that. Um, but it, it was it was like it was the time for the next step. Um, you know, it was you kind of feel like you know we went to the we were in the Atlantic Sun Conference um, for the final three years that I was there. In 2018, we went to the A-Sun playoffs. No one even expected us to be even close to that. We beat three nationally ranked teams, Jacksonville University, Florida Gulf Coast, and Stetson that year. And Stetson was like eight in the country. Um, so it was like, it, it was like oh, this is the time for me to, you know, go and, and see what I can do on my own and build my own program and kind of make my own name. Um, and that's why I did it. Love that. All right. So the guys and I had previously just mentioned uh, before the show, before you were, uh, before we talked to you, this is the last question we had to leave with. Um, and I wanted to ask because you're a huge Yankees fan. I'm a huge Yankees fan, but I want your unbiased, completely honest opinion <laughs> on who you think deserves the AL MVP this season. Is it Shohei Otani or is it Aaron Judge? And again, it's Aaron Judge. Okay. I, I, I'd love to Absolutely. know why. I'd love to know your thought process. I, I listen. I I think Otani's an incredible, an incredible force. But 
I don't think the Yankees are nearly as good as they are without Judge. And that's that's a big for me. That's a that's a big thing. Is like, in how many games? I mean, he's the difference maker. You know, like in terms of what he's done. Um, I mean, they started putting him playing him in center field. I was like, whoa! This this shows you how valuable this guy. You know that that shows me value. You know they 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 took their franchise guy at a right field where he was potentially comfortable, right? And they put him out in center field, something that was somewhat foreign, right? He, you didn't hear anything about his defense, um, you know. So um, that was a big piece for it, definitely. I think, you know, he's. I mean, he's an impressive. He's an impressive player. Like everything he does is impressive to me. You don't got to convince me. I'm I'm right there <laughs> with you. But I wanted to get. I figured. Look, you're a coach. You see a lot of baseball. You're yeah. around baseball more than any of us. You would have a legitimate opinion. I, on top of the fact that you know, as we now know, and it was pretty obvious. You happen to really like Aaron Judge like the rest of us. I do. Grant, I have a bonus question for you. because What do you got? Just, these guys just don't know what they're talking about. With <laughs> what I'm about to bring up. They argue with me. I said when Aaron Judge was at oh, about God. 51 or so, I said, I said, I'm not letting this guy bat again. The rest of the lineup is okay. They're not great, but they're not bad. I said, what I'm doing is I'm just walking this guy four or five times a game. I don't care. When he comes up, I'm walking him. Like intentionally walk, get this guy out of my way. You can anybody else can try and beat me except Aaron Judge. Would you be okay with that? Like if you're a team and you just come into the game with that game plan, like Aaron Judge isn't beating us, we're gonna put him on base every single time. And anybody else, one through eight's gonna beat us, but not him. Not him. Eight guys can beat us, but not Aaron Judge. Yeah, I I I I would agree with you. It's like the throwback Barry Bonds days, right? When they're walking them with the bases loaded. Um, Thank you. That's what I said. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, I would. I mean, the only time I pitched him was if there was no one on base. You know, like I, I'm not uh, runners on base. I'm not letting them because I mean, it, it's. I mean, he, Christ, he mishits balls and they go over the wall. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like he doesn't get anything. You know, like he mishits balls and they flare to right field. They carry over the fence. So. um yeah, no, I, I, I would not, I would not be opposed to that strategy at all. If I was an opponent team, opposing team, excuse me, and I was managing against them, I would not, I, I wouldn't let that guy beat me. Especially with some of the early, early in the season Yankees, it would be a different story. Later in the year Yankees, um, yeah, no, he's not beating me. I, I, li- I would live that same way anybody else I can live with, but like you said, he this team's a different team without him. And if you, if you take him out of the game, basically offensively, you make somebody else beat you out of the other eight guys. I mean, then you force these other guys to bat who really haven't carried the team. I don't think it's a bad strategy, but these two, these two seem to think it's crazy. So I just wanted to ask you a professional, unlike these. (laughs) Well, John, you said, you said welcome every time. You said walk him every time. I would I would personally do it. I don't want him to ever have an opportunity to do anything with his his bat. He can't even bring it to the park. That's I'm gonna send a message that don't even bring your bat here because you don't need it. Here is the thing that was important that was just said, which is what I actually argued and completely agreed with. I said, if there's nobody on base, I'm willing to pitch to him because if you give up one run to him, it's not the end of the world. But if there's guys on base, I would be a lot more hesitant. Because 
You don't want to possibly give up two, three runs at that point. Okay. And that's what you're missing, John, that I actually argued the exact same thing. <laughs> I said yes. with guys on base, it would be a different situation. Yes. I'd be a little bit more worried. I, 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 But when nobody's on base, you give up the solo shot, it's not the end of the world. It, it's not I good. No, nobody wants to give up a solo all. shot. I'm not saying you want to, but it's a lot better than – giving up three, four runs on one swing by, by loading the bases, by walking him, or, you know, just letting him swing possibly. You got to weigh your options. Sure. So, that, so was, coach, that was my argument. So, okay. Coach, where can, when can we come see the uh, St. Peter's team play? Do you have any yeah. games coming up? We, um, well, we have a, a home, uh, our, one of our home fall scrimmages against uh, RCGC, which is Rowan College at Gloucester County, Gloucester County College, which is a, a nationally renowned junior college on October the 2nd. We're playing them at home. Uh, it's an 11 inning, uh, excuse me, it's 11 a.m. start. It's a 14 inning day for us. Um, be great competition. That's, that's a good program. Um, and they've had a number of players move on to play. Uh, both at the college level and professionally. So it'll be a really good challenge for us. Um, it's also a great recruiting tool for us. So, you know, that's one of the things there too. Um, and then in the fall on October 15th, we're going up to Post University in Connecticut and we're playing 18 innings against Post University, which is a very strong Division II program up in Connecticut. Uh, their head coach is a good friend of mine. So we, we have that set up and um, we're definitely looking forward to, to kind of getting out and competing against some other teams. Um, you know, other than the inter-squad scrimmages, we play ourselves pretty much every weekend also. Very cool, Coach. Well, we definitely appreciate you taking the time. You're always welcome to come back. Um, any place where we can find uh, the latest information on your team? Yeah, you can go to my Twitter, at gmir80. Uh, I post everything, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you'll, you'll hear anything and everything from us. Um, you know, and I guess I'm I'm not as politically correct as some, so I put it out there <laughs> to everybody. But um, you know that that's just uh, it's a good place. You know, you get updates on our program, you get updates on anything. I retweet everything from you know our athletic department, from our baseball program, uh, stuff about our recruits that are incoming, whatever the case may be. Everything out there. Um, that's that's probably the the, the main spot. Um, I'd say our school one, our, our, our school baseball account, but I don't run it. Um, so you don't get as much good content there as uh, maybe on mine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely do that. You can always check out our school's uh, athletic website and, um, you know, anything that, that's there. You know, my contact information is there too. So, you know, feel free. Listen, I'm not one of those people that, that doesn't read his email. Um, I'm doing <laughs> you know, uh, I'm in there. Um, so, you know um, – you know, we're a, we're a, we're a program that's we're we're a little bit of a, a different program. So you know, people send me emails requesting balls and hats and all types of stuff, and I try to appease them if I can. So you know, it's one of those deals there for us as well. Well, don't worry, coach. We're gonna all see you at that batting cage you told us for <laughs> hours. Yeah, we're local. We're gonna be there one day. Yeah, no no doubt. Come on in. We'll we'll fire up the pitching machine for you. I appreciate it, Coach. Thanks so much for the time. You have a great night. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. Good night. You too. Good night. All right, gents. So, so you brought up Aaron Judge. I'm going to go right into this right now with Aaron Judge. He has 59 home runs. Why do we care? Listen, Barry Bonds said how He's many three away from breaking the whole time Why do we care what? Hold on. What, what, why, hold, on. Season. hold on, John. Hold on. Why do we care what? What is the? Why do we care about what? Why are we talking about his his yearly home run count? 
Because he's Barry three Bob, away from passing Maris. John, That's all on. that matters. No, no. John, hold on. John. Sosa, McGuire, Buds. Time out. Time out. Everybody stop. Hold on. Time out. You're both wrong. Because, well, you're both right and you're both wrong. John, you're right. Maris counts because it's the AL record. That's it's why it counts. The record. But no, it's not. Because Aaron Judge himself, and which is why I agree with JB, has actually come out and said that he agrees that Barry Bonds is the record. So if you ask Aaron Judge, and he's the only person that matters, because at the end of the day, you got to talk to him. It's his record. If he is telling you what he believes the record to be, which is Barry Bonds, which personally I am perfectly fine with it being Barry Bonds, because guess what? He went out there and did it. I don't really care. Because you know what? You can sit here and say, oh, well, he used steroids. Everybody does it. It's just a matter of who gets caught. Okay. Don't give me the don't give me the excuses. I don't want to hear it. Everybody gets ends up doing it. I, it's I think matter John of, is juicing right now. It's, I told him to say, John, stand up in the camera. You're juicing. You can't say all, everybody's all these pl- John. I John, I am so confident that I, I when I say everybody, I would say minimum 85% of players are juiced. You have zero proof of that. It's a blank. And you have zero proof that I'm wrong. So what's your point? Well, point, I would imagine that I would be able to prove – I would be closer to proving my point than please you do. proving your point. P- please do. Listen, let's leave, it at, let's leave it at that. Let's table this for next week when he breaks the record because when we're on next week, I guarantee you he will have the AL record. If they just oh. listen to me, he won't break but, it because he'll never bet again. What, what I want to talk about that's even crazier is John's Dolphins. No, hold on, you know, hold on. We can't I gotta, just I, I, pa- I got to go into this right now because I on. can't wait anymore. Because they didn't bench Tua. Look what happened. We're all two and zero, baby. We're all two and zero on this. Look, panel. wait, John. They didn't bench Tua. Look what happened. Have well, a little Flores faith in the is man. an idiot. And whoa, is not. whoa, 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 Rewind hold the tape. Hold, hold on. Tape. <laughs> hold on. Are you saying you were wrong previously? Is that what I'm hearing? No, they gave Tua a chance no. to come back and beat the Ravens. Huh? Right. But a really Brian good Flores, team, hold on. But JB, hold on. But if I distinctly remember, John, and I do remember correctly, I'm, I'm confident about this one. You said when Tua was being benched, you made the argument that Tua shouldn't, or rather should be benched, excuse me, should be benched because it's in the best interest of the team and their chances of winning. It so doesn't let, mean Flores no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I want to ask a question to you now. You can be an idiot. Hold on. And... Don't talk. Don't talk. Just listen. Just listen. Your argument previously was that Tua was benched and it was acceptable. You agreed with the decision because you felt, and so did Brian Flores, that was why the decision was being made, that it was in the best interest of the team to win the games. Okay? So I don't think... So so hold on. So my question to you now is, why is it okay that with a huge deficit, Tua was allowed to stay in and not be benched, but when Brian Flores did it, it was okay then, but now you've retracted your statement and say he's an idiot. So Why Flores, is it different? What is the difference there? Flores was not trying to win with Tua. Flores did not want Tua. He was doing That's... everything in his power to sabotage having Tua. He did not want him. He wanted her. No, that was his guy. Games. He wanted, he wanted to win her. games. Those were your words. He wanted. Words we all found out that games. he was not a Tua guy. We, we knew her. that, but we, we knew that. We knew that when he passed the ball in the fourth quarter. The but, core but of your argument, there, hold on, John, hold on. Is the there an underlying argument, MO? Hold on. hold on. The core of your argument, John, was that he wanted to win games. So I'm just asking, 
what is the difference in the two scenarios? Because when Tua was being benched, we were seeing not necessarily deficits of deficits of this same size, but large deficits of this proportion, this, this severity, and he was being benched. So what is the difference? I don't care that Brian Flores didn't like Tua. What is the actual difference? Why is it acceptable for Tua to start now and not be benched when you backed up Brian Flores saying we wanted to win? You have a coach that believes in him and gives him an opportunity to succeed whenever there is adversity. Wow. I'm going to start changing my answers as, you know, (laughs) opposed to suiting my needs here. You know, I I didn't say after the Lions won the Super Bowl that, you know. The Lions have never won the Super Bowl, dummy. The Rams. I mean, I, I'm thinking Stafford, so I might as well just put them on the Lions because the the Rams look horrible as it is that they almost lost. <laughs> Whatever. We'll talk about that. But but I, you know, I didn't. You know, John, you can't change what you say, John. You got to stick with what you say. Uh, it was okay look, for Flores to bench. Look, you, 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 there's you many factors in this because we found out all of the That's, things going on with. We didn't but, know any of this. But John, about hold Flores on. We didn't know. But we, we, we didn't know this did. John, we everybody didn't, We knew. didn't know, like, when when he got benched in that game, in those games. We no, didn't know. We knew he, was, he wasn't a two We didn't everybody know knew that. all of this stuff that was happening behind the scenes. Like what, John? What stuff did we not know? We didn't know that he that he had a vendetta for some reason yes, against we Tua. We had yes, no we idea. Yes, we did. It was evident. No, hold, on. Evident. hold on, John. Hold on. Time out. All you had to do was watch the game. No, I know, but... Just forget anything we learned that you're talking about, which we did know, by the way. But forget all of that. That's all speculation at that point. But John, John, forget all of that. Forget it even ever comes out. It doesn't matter. Forget all of it for a second. You can't tell me that you didn't think Brian Flores didn't like Tua. It was obvious as can be. He did everything he could... John, John, I didn't why would mean... a coach bench a quarterback in the fourth quarter multiple times John, if he John, liked it? That's like saying to... to me when 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 Ben McAdoo sat in Eli Manning to start Geno Smith. That's like saying I had to wait till things came out to find out he was a bad coach. No, all I had to do Not was watch that coach. coach. I mean, yes, he was. Like terrible. when he benched him, but did John, you think you're missing the point. Like you're missing John. You're missing the point. You're missing what I was going to say, which is. I didn't need people to come tell me and give me more facts to know that was an idiotic decision and he was not a good head coach. I could see that by watching the play on the field, by the decisions being made as his him as the coach. I could see that. That's my point. Brian Flores' decisions in the past made it extremely evident that he did not like Tua because if he liked Tua, he wouldn't bench him. If he If he had done what he did, which was, let Ryan Fitzpatrick play those first few games and then bring Tua in and then let Tua just grow and go through the growing pains like a lot of rookie quarterbacks have to do when they are you know, believed to be ready to start. That's fine. But I watched him. You watched him. JB watched him. Everybody watched him. It was beyond obvious. He may, have has, may as well have had a glowing neon sign above his head saying, I don't like Tua. Because that's why he benched him. Obviously, that's why he benched him. But that's the so thing he, is, so, like, so if you get said, to that point, him. what's the <laughs> exactly. point of drafting him? What's the point of playing him? It wasn't his you know decision. I mean? like, he doesn't, he but, doesn't draft. The GM drafts. No, but, but he's part of that John, decision. So, John, no, he's You know not. what I mean? Not really. Yes, not, yes. Clearly, your, your head coach is not. part of that. John, clearly, he's not clearly the final decision maker, John. The final decision maker is the general manager. Hold on. But let's get back to the core point of this argument that we're having now, this debate. The point was, John, 
you previously backed up what Brian Flores did, saying it was acceptable to bench Tua. So why is it different that Mike McDaniel let him play out? What is the difference that you're telling me it's now acceptable with a large deficit? Because I'm still not seeing it. All I'm hearing is Brian Flores just didn't like him. Yeah, that so doesn't. Dysfunction... But hold on, hold on, hold on. You saying Brian Flores didn't like him doesn't back up your prior arguments that you made. So I'm trying to understand why you've changed your opinion, which previously said it was okay for him to be benched, but now it wouldn't have been okay if he was benched. What so is the, the dis- what, the dysfunction clearly was there in the organization. There was no direction in what they wanted to do. One, obviously, they wanted Tua, but he didn't want him. They wanted Tua to start sooner. Flores obviously didn't want him to start sooner. Like, there was dysfunction. Like, people were pulling in different directions. Okay. With McDaniel here, you can clearly see, John. and I said this on Sunday, I said this yesterday. I've watched the Dolphins all my life, I've never seen any head coach in the Dolphins organization. So, John, you've you've oh, missed. I'm not done. You've missed the core of the question. Though. No, I'm ju- I'm I'm getting to that. He, he's doing his John. He's floundering. Okay, I'm listening. No, I'm not floundering. I've never seen a coach. I've never seen the Dolphins rally for one of their head coaches on the road down big. And I've seen us on the ro- road down big a lot in my life. Okay. I've never once seen the Dolphins do what they did on Sunday. Okay, where great. They actually fought for their team. Can we get to the so, point? Yes, so, exactly. I'm getting that. So the the point is, John, so the dysfunction. Is I clearly that the dysfunction was there with Flores. There was a disconnect between him and the front office. With McDaniel, everybody's on the same page. Everybody's pulling in the same direction, which means Tua's buying into what is being sold. That doesn't answer my question. Is buying into what's being sold. You're not answering the question. You're avoiding the question, John. That's not avoiding the question. I'm telling you. You're just telling me why you like this coach better. I'm asking no, you, I'm telling why you, has your opinion actually changed? That's what I want to I, know. I just told you. So it's somebody buys so, into the quarterback. So, so, hold on. so, so I'm going to table this discussion because it's going me, nowhere. Two Josh seconds, is going two in seconds. circles. I just yeah. want to ask this question, and it's a rhetorical kind of question. You don't have to answer it, but I want to put this at, as, as the final thoughts of this. What I'm hearing, and this is rhetorical, so don't answer this, is that Brian Flores didn't like to, so it was okay to bench him and try to win games. But because Mike McDaniel likes Tua, it's okay to let him try to come back from a deficit. It's not about that's liking, what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. That's what you're telling me. Quarterback. No, that's what you're telling which instills me. Instills confidence John. in your franchise. That which is what we that's, said last that's, year, and you that's said what no, I'm hearing. Okay so, so I'm just saying along, that's what I'm hearing. That's moving all. along. Let's go back to last week's conversation. The ghost of Ezekiel Elliott, or as I my driving to Iowa this week, I learned it was pronounced ghost. But anyway. Okay. Where was Zeke? Where was Zeke in that game? Why? Why are they playing? They don't like him. The they just don't, don't like him. It. I think I don't get it. That's really I don't I don't understand. The Dallas Cowboys know. make zero sense. Hey, of what they look, do. I'll leave it on this note before we move to our new, our next and new segment. Uh, the New York Football Giants are tied with the Philadelphia Eagles. Eric, I hope you're hearing this, my man. You and I, our teams, and JB is included in this, of course. Our teams are tied for first place in the NFC East. It's a great day. That's all. Just wanted to say that. Just wanted to put it out to the Cowboys. That the Cowboys Monday Night Football. And you know what? Even if the Cowboys beat us, they'll only be tied first. And you know what that makes me feel? Fantastic. Because at the end of that week, no matter what happens, my Giants are still tied for first place in some way. That's amazing. If the Eagles win, not necessarily. Right, you're right. But you you get the point I'm making. You get you you understand what I'm getting at. The Giants won't be in last place. 
All right, so let's move on to our new segment. We have a special guest, uh, someone that we've known for quite a while. Uh, and if you're out there, you may know him. Got David Brody coming in. Hey, David, how you doing? I, I'm doing great. I, I, I feel like I've been uh, brought in as a referee. <laughs> exactly. David, that's wow. exactly what you are. How long have you guys been together? Two years. Two years. years. More than that now, yeah. And you you physically haven't killed one another. I think that's pretty good. That's that's impressive. I'm sure if we were together in person, they would have killed me by now or tried to. David, I think about it. Every show I think of. All right, how am I going to kill John today? How how do I get him? Well, uh, they brought me out of retirement. And uh, we're going to do a new uh, segment. So on Tuesday nights at this time, we'll do a segment where I throw out a topic. Now, I apologize if this is something you guys have debated. And I'm sure if you talked about it, you debated um, earlier in the show or maybe even yesterday. But let me uh, throw a couple of topics your way and we'll see uh, how you handle it and whether or not you kill one another. So (laughs) the uh, first thing that I want to throw out and I'm sure you guys have talked about it, the Justin Fields quote, the uh, Bears quarterback saying it hurts more in the locker room because fans aren't putting the work. So I have a number of questions. The first question, is he right? Is he right when he says, yeah, you know what? It hurts us, the players. We're the guys who are out there doing all the work. So the fans should keep their mouths shut and let the players get pissed off because we're entitled to get pissed off. We're putting in all the work. What do you guys think? As a guy who was a fan for so many years before I started with this media thing, you know, I never got a paycheck. So, you know, until I get a paycheck, I, I think it hurts me more. Give me the check. And then, you know what, I'll be quiet. <laughs> That's, look, I, I'll disagree a little bit and say, look, as a fan, I get it. It hurts. Trust me. But we're also not taking a literal physical punishment on the field every single time. So it's a little different. Now, I disagree partially. I think fans do have the right to be upset. Why? Because they spent money to come out to the game. They spend money to support you guys. I think that they've got a little bit of a financial commitment that they can they, – they've earned the right to complain. I think the players should be more upset, more frustrated, because, of course, it's their actions and their play. But I, I do think fans have the right to be upset. It's totally logical. John? Yeah, I I think it's fair for both sides to be upset, but I don't see what Justin Fields is really trying to get at because, like Jake said, the fans are the ones that pay for parking. They pay for the concessions. They pay for the jerseys. They pay for the tickets. Like, you know, if you go to a football game, an NFL game, a family of four going there costs over $500 just to go there. Like, yeah. just a park, get the tickets, and, and you know a little bit of food. John, like, it's at least 500 bucks. That we didn't even hit on? We pay them, basically. I mean, yeah. not, yeah. not, not sure. in a literal sense, our, our few hundred dollars, and, and that don't, but us, it adds up. We do that pay them us, in a sense. Like, that doesn't make us entitled to where we can say and do what no. we want. But right. they no. got to understand, like, the amount of, like, the amount us fans typically care, how much, like, and, and players probably don't even notice how much like fans like me think about, oh man, my team lost like throughout the entire week and how yep. much that affects you when yep. you're at work. Like that stuff that does happen. Like when the Dolphins Absolutely. lose or when they win, I'm wearing my shirt on Monday. Cause I'm like, Dol- I'm proud it's, of the Dolphins. And it's I'm our escape. About it. Like, it it's our escape. Let me ask you this question. Does it bother you 
When the game is over, what do we see? The players are on the field, high-fiving. Oh, I know John doesn't like that. And and I've talked to players about this. Their thinking is, look, we just put in our 60 minutes. This game is over. Congratulations to the other team. We all survived. While the fan, what do we do? We're we're kicking the dog. (laughs) You know, we're holding on to this anger for days. Hopefully not too many days. Hopefully not weeks. But so we hold on to the anger. And uh, the players are high-fiving one another. They're hugging one another. Does that bother you as a fan? John, when you see the this. players do that, does that piss please. you off? Hmm? You want me to go next, Jake? John, please go first. Yeah, this is all you, You're the most vocal I of us on this, this, I know. to a T. There's only one guy in the history of sports that I can remember that does not do this garbage. That's Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's all in the court. Even before the game, he's like, you're not my friend. He's like, my only job is to beat you. Nobody else matters. Nothing else matters. My job is to win. He's like, I'm not your friend. I'm none of that. Like, that's what I loved about Kobe Bryant is he Uh. just wanted to beat the hell. Jordan was the same way. Just wanted to beat the hell out of you. Like, I love players like that. I don't need players going and being buddy, buddy before the game, after the game. Like, you want to go and do it on your own time whenever you're, like, at your each other's house. I don't care. But if you're on that field. You bet. I don't want to see you shaking hands like you lost. Like, why are you happy? Why are you smiling? Why are you I going up to OBJ John. who just beat your Jordan, ass? Jordan, like, that makes no him. sense. During the, game, who, during the game, who cares? You know, that's it. Your enemies, while the, while the whistle's going during the play, after the play, who cares? If you help the guy up, who cares? If you shake hands after the game, who cares? It doesn't affect the outcome. I can care less about it. But, you know, those 60 minutes while the clock is running, that's it. You know, we're out of it. Once the once it's over, who cares? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I love it, but I don't think I hate it as much as as John and David. You both seem to. I don't. I'm not saying I. You know, I revel in the fact that they do and go, "Wow, this is so great." But I respect the sportsmanship. I respect them being adults about it at the end of the day and saying, "Look, you played well. I played well. It was a hard fought battle for 60 minutes." There's a mutual respect. I don't need the buddy-buddy part. I understand that, John and David. and I know you guys feel that way, so I get that, and I kind of can agree in some ways about that. But I appreciate the handshakes. I appreciate the, hey, great game. I appreciate that aspect. because that. So I'm just saying, that's where I sit on it. I'm, I would be okay if they do that. I don't need the buddy-buddy stuff. I can understand that. I, but I appreciate the cordialness of just I'm your, your okay with the add, Right, right. Let me yeah. add a bonus thing in, David, before you go on. The the one thing I hate the most is jersey swaps. I hate when they – the only mm. time I want Absolutely. your jersey is because I beat your ass and it's like going hunting and you have those antlers up on your John, wall. John that's wants the only it. reason I want your jersey is because John, that's my trophy. John wants it so he beat, beat you. you and he ripped it off of your body. And I that's why it. I have your jersey. That's the only yes. reason I want your jersey is but to show that I own what, you. What you're forgetting, John, okay, these guys that get to this level, they've all played with each other for so many years. The higher up you get, the closer you are as friends, the travel that's team. You know, they all get closer and closer as you get to that higher the higher league. So that's why they're so close. Again, I get it. I, I, all right, I, final I, question on I, this I, one. Is there a problem when the fan hurts more after a loss than the player hurts how emotionally or physically pain. yeah pain <laughs> it, it, it hurts it's gut-wrenching well if we're talking emotionally again i can understand it because we kind of talked about it there is an investment in your team I, I as a fan it'll affect your mood i get it i'm cool with that i 
I don't know that it should affect you more than it affects the guys on the field because, well, like I said, they're the ones that take the physical punishment and do the work. But again, kind of like I said before, I'm if, if you're a fan and you say, oh, my team lost, I'm upset, I don't judge that. I get it. I'm cool with it. You should be upset if your team loses. You know why? Shows you care. And, I, and I'm all for it. So what do you think, John? The fan cares more than the player when it comes to dealing with a loss. You okay it's, with that? It's like when I worked in social work and I told my clients, if I care more about cleaning your house than you do, then I'm doing something wrong. You need to care more than I do. The player needs to care more than the fan does. Otherwise, there's a problem. If, if the player just is smiling and laughing and happy after he loses, like that makes no sense to me. Like I don't need him to be depressed, but at the same time, like I don't need to see on camera like that he's all giddy and happy and playing around. Wow. Like you just lost a game. Like how's that not eat at you? How can that we be no so sense. much different, John? How can we be so different? It's a business, right? You have a guy that's on the Yankees today or the Giants or whatever team. He gets traded tomorrow to another team. You know, why should he care so much about a loss? All he should care about is making himself better. Yeah, it sucks to lose, but that's it. That's a loss. A fan, you're invested in the team forever. I've been a Giant fan since, um, what, since I first saw football. You know, the one of 80, 50-something guys on the Giants, how long have they been fans of their team? You know, they, what, since they got signed? They got rookies that may have been – who we have on the show two weeks ago? Gary Reasons. He was a Cowboy fan playing for the Giants. Uh-huh. You know, so I don't know. I don't buy into that. I think it's worse for the fans. Love it. All right. Yeah. Um, one more topic. Have you guys discussed the Max Scherzer situation being pulled with a perfect nope. game? Not Let's yet. talk about that. Guy goes six innings. Perfect game. Nine strikeouts. Couldn't have looked any better. Threw 68 pitches, and I know he was coming off the injured list. He had an oblique problem. I get that. 68 pitches, that's not a lot. The pitch count was supposed to be between 75 and 100. Buck Showalter said there's plenty of time for Max to get other guys out. We're done. It's six innings. He needs to get off the mound. Baseball has not had a perfect game since 2012. Felix Hernandez was the last guy to do it. Max Scherzer in his career, 12 complete games. The man has 200 wins. He has 12 complete games. I did a little bit of research as I was getting ready for this. Cy Young, 511 wins. Cy Young in his career started 815 games. Take a guess as to how many complete games he threw. 815 starts. JB, how many? 700. Okay, 700. John, how many complete games for Cy Young? I'd say about 450. 450. Jake? I'll say about 525. What number? 525. 525. 749 complete games for Cy Young. Wow. We were off. A career 263 ERA. Walter Johnson, 531 complete games. This number is going to blow your mind. He has the all-time record most shutouts by a pitcher, 110. And Walter Johnson had a 2.17 ERA. I think this is gutless on the part of Showalter and the Mets. Uh, The Mets have never had a perfect game. Max Scherzer should have been sent out in the seventh inning. And if he gave up a hit, if he gave up a walk, you yank him and you say, all right, well done. 
Uh, we'll get him next time. But you absolutely send him out for the seventh inning. What do you guys? I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I had just my friend texted me. I just turned on the game, and the announcers were saying they were going to pull him. In my head, I the beginning of the year, um, Clayton Kershaw was throwing a no hitter. They pulled him, and I said it's early in the year. I get why they're doing it. I get that Scherzer's just coming off the injured list, but it's towards the end of the year. He's got a little bit more stamina. Only 68 pitches. Disgusting move. No reason to pull him. And sure enough, the, whoever they put into pitch gave up a two-run home run in the bottom of that inning. John? I have no problem with it, honestly. Um, if you're trying to play for a World Series, if you're trying to play for a championship like the Mets are, your only job is to go make sure your guys are as fresh as possible. And if it means taking him out just to preserve him because you know you got to keep him fresh for the playoffs and he's just coming off an injury, that's a smart thing to do. Like, I get history. I'm a, I'm, I love all the history in baseball. But if you're trying to go after a World Series, who gives a damn about a perfect game? That is nothing compared to winning that World Series, and that's all Buck cares about. And he has a, he is trying to make sure – the entire roster, all what, 26 guys or whatever, like have a chance at a championship, not just one guy at a perfect game. Like I, I completely agree with Buck. You're going for a World Series, not, you know, not a perfect game. I think that Scherzer and every Met fan is owed an apology. Jake, what do you think? No surprise here. I don't agree with John. Um, John, <laughs> I, well, I, I, well I, I align more with JB in the fact that, you know, well, John, you make a fair point, and I do agree. He should have been kept healthy, and that is no no argument about that. David, you said one important thing, which really swayed my opinion, which was he was on a pitch count, but the number of pitches he was supposed to throw were between 75 and 100. And you told me he threw 68 pitches. As far as I'm concerned, and you can't tell me I'm wrong about this, that's under 75. That's well, under the minimum threshold that he was said he, you can pitch. So for me, the way I see it, I'm cool with keeping him healthy. I'm not saying he has to hit the 100. I'm that's saying, why he pulled him there. But, he pulled well, him there purposely because he was going to run into trouble once he got to the and, eighth inning, and he and, was at about 98 pitches. And He knew if yep, he let it go, right. he was in trouble. And that's so fine. Either. But the way yeah. I see it, yeah. if you're going to pull him, let him at least pitch the seventh. Let him go out for the next inning. You might as well let him go out because the way I see a pitcher and what they need, they need all the momentum they can get going into the playoffs. The Max and you know what happens, best. Jake, if he gets to 98 pitches like JB said and then he gets injured and he still has that perfect game, you know what? You know what's going to happen, right? You know Buck is going to take the right. blame for leaving him in too and long, you know coming off an injury. That's exactly what to, would happen. I never said he's got to get to 98. And if he's no, I'm just saying if he's, if he's right where JB said let, and he let, gets hurt, Fox is going to take let me, the blame for let, that. Let me finish the point I was making here, which is that all he had to do was pitch one more inning. If he throws 20 pitches in the next inning somehow, he's at 88. You pull him there and you call it a game, and that's it. He pitched through the seventh, and then you have the valid argument in my mind because you said between 75 and 100, and he actually went between 75 and 100. If you told me that was his pitch count. Pull up for two innings, though. I, it gets a lot harder. I don't care. With it. But all, you, all you I care about, the way I see it is this. If you're going to tell me he's going to throw between X and Y pitches, let him do it. Let him go out there and go do it. And more importantly, what I was going to say is, Pitchers need all the momentum they can get going into the playoffs. Now, Max Scherzer is one of the best pitchers we've probably ever seen. He is phenomenal. Does he need the momentum that somebody like you or I would need? No. But having the you know a, a great start like that as one of your last starts going into the playoffs, 
Give him all the momentum he can get. I'm not saying push him to the limit. I'm saying let him at least pitch one more inning. Let him get a little bit more work. Why? He's coming off an injury. He's only going to get so many starts. Let him have the work. Let him have the momentum. Let him get the work. There's no reason not to. Plus, with the no-hitter, or rather the perfect game, yeah, I'd like to see that continue. It's pretty cool. So did we accomplish anything tonight? No. We never do. No, we just yes, argue. We really, but that's okay. It's just a handicap re- match every Tuesday night from eight thirty to nine thirty. Right. We realize John is not right about one opinion. <laughs> nope, my opinions are always wrong. Apparently, your John, your opinions are changing, which is what I'm concerned about. Uh, times are changing, Jake. Change with the times, John. If you can sit here and admit your opinion changed at least, and that you were previously wrong, I'll be happy. I'm never so, wrong. See, there's the problem. Wrong. We got to wrap. We had enough of John tonight. John, you're benched for the for the departures tonight. Blue Hawks 13 David, on where, Twitter. David, where can people find you? Um, under the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, he's the boogeyman. Um, David at sportsbroadcastingcoach.com. Beautiful. JB. JB underscore the program on Twitter. Watch Confidential tonight at 11 o'clock. Jake? Great. At Jake underscore Malik on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitter, we are Sideline Sport 1. YouTube and Facebook, we're Sideline Sports. Look us up everywhere. TikTok, Instagrams, all that good stuff. You'll find us. We will see you guys next time. Have a good one. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.